podcast that serves up a winning combination of sports and food. Get ready to dive into the latest scores and game analysis, all while savoring discussions about your favorite game day snacks and culinary delights. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and together we will explore the delicious intersection of athleticism and gastronomy. Let's kick off this flavorful journey of episode 16. In this episode, I will go over my breakdown of what happened in week three in the NFL. There were some terrible games this weekend. And we'll head back to my favorite new website, StadiumReviews.com, to give you a heads up on what's good to eat in the NFL stadiums around the country. And I'll go over my give them a six or pick six games and the results from the NFL. Guys, but week three, the weekend got underway. And I had hope that my guys, the Washington Commanders, were going to ride in the game because the Buffalo Bills with a little bit of confidence and be ready to play, ready to put some pressure on Josh Allen. Boy, was I wrong. The Bills' defense, they're the ones that kept constant pressure on the Commanders' quarterback, Sam Howell. The Bills sacked Howell nine times, forced four interceptions, five turnovers. I mean, just it was an ugly, ugly game. 37 to 3 was the final. Washington can never really get going, you know, but even saying that it was, you know, it was still 16 to 10 heading into the fourth quarter. And the Bills exploded for 21 points. For all the hype of the Washington front line on the defense, they got absolutely zero pressure on Allen. I mean, it was raining on the grass field, and the only mark that Allen got on his jersey was when he took off running and slid in the first quarter. You know, but for the third game in a row, this season, the commanders have come out really slow. And now I'm not down on Sam Howell. I mean, it's his first year starting. I remember watching guys like Troy Eggman, Peyton Manning struggle, have a bunch of turnovers early. And, and now before you jump all over, I'm not saying that Sam Howell is any of those great quarterbacks. But I've seen it happen. You're going to have those turnovers. The commanders have to start quicker and not be behind as they have been in every game so far this year. You know, the Bills have bounced back nicely after losing to the Jets in week one. And have outscored their opponents 75 to 13. Josh Allen was always in good position due to his defense playing so well. And he had this to say in the post game press conference It's it's easy to play the game when your, when your defense comes up for you like that, especially in really good situations. I thought we had a couple packed up situations where we, we were able to push the ball down and um, obviously want to end with six points instead of three points. Um, but we had short fields most of the day. I don't know what our average starting position was, but it had to be pretty good. I thought our defense came in, balled out. Um, guys made plays today, and uh, we ran the ball up. The Bills played well. You know, the defense came up, put them in good position. James Cook led the way 98 yards on the ground as a team that ran for 168. Up next for the Bills, it's a good one. They host the smoking hot Dolphins and the Commanders. It doesn't get any easier as they go to visit Philly, a very tough divisional opponent. Titans traveled to take on Cleveland Browns, and it did not go well for Ryan Tannehill and the Titans as they dropped to 1-2 and two after their 27-3 loss to the Browns. Deshaun Watson had the best game of his Browns career, throwing for 289 yards, two touchdowns. Amari Cooper looked like the Amari Cooper of old, seven catches, 116 yards, and would have been more if he wasn't ruled out of bounds on a play that he more than likely would have scored on. Unreal by that wing official to look at him in the rule he was out of bounds. He was clearly not out of bounds. So, such a bad call. Now, the Titans, on the other hand, statistically had the worst day offensively since the team moved from Houston. The Titans were only able to muster 94 yards. 94 yards? That That's absolutely terrible to think that that's all you got was 94 yards. Derrick Henry had 20 yards on 11 carries. Tannehill was 13-25 for 104 yards. Now, Miles Garrett was in the head of the Titans all day, total three and a half sacks. He forced the team into a delay of game penalty, and I've never seen that happen before. Garrett was on one side of the line. Tennessee flexed over two tight ends to add to give him a little more protection. Well, then Miles Garrett switches to the other side of the line. Tight ends go into motion to cover him. This goes on back and forth for a couple times, 
until a delay of game happened. I never saw that before in my life, to where somebody was causing that much of a problem on defense that it resulted in a delay of game penalty because they, they wanted to get him covered. It was bad. But Tannehill, more bad games so far this year than good. Derrick Henry, you know, is the is the tread starting to be wore down too much on King Henry? What are the Titans? What is their identity? Is it still predicated on ground and pound? I don't know if they can do that and keep up anymore. Is there one and two on the year? Now, Deshaun Watson, the Browns, they, you know, defense is really, really good. And they're going to put them in position to win a bunch of games. Up next for Tennessee, they will host Cincinnati and the Browns. They're going to go to Baltimore. Or actually, they're going to host Baltimore on Sunday. Detroit, the Lions had the Falcons their first loss of the season, 20-6. to Jared Goff led the Lions with 243 yards through the air, one touchdown, one interception. He also ran inner touchdown. Now, Jameer Gibbs had his best outing with the Lions with 80 yards on 17 carries, but it was the defense for the Lions that was big in this game. The Lions limited a hot-starting rookie, Bijan Robinson, to only 33 yards on 10 carries. Desmond Ritter was, again, just okay. No touchdowns or picks, only five catches for Kyle Pitts and two for Drake London. I think the Falcons really need to get Pitts and London more involved to help open up the ground game for Bijan. The Lions' D, led by Aiden Hutch, registered seven sacks on the day while holding Atlanta to just 183 yards of total offense. Falcons will next travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jags, while the Lions have a short week and a big early division game against the Packers at Lambeau Field. Now, speaking of the Packers, they had a very interesting game on Sunday. They trailed 17-0 heading into the fourth quarter, but somehow pulled out an 18-17 victory over the New Orleans Saints. This was Jordan Love's first start at the historic Lambeau Field. He gave the crowd a special one with that comeback. You know, like guys like Favre and Don Majikowski that they, you know, Aaron Rodgers used to pull. He did that in his first game. As a starter at Lambeau Field, he threw for 259 yards, one touchdown, an interception. He ran for another one. Love was also the Packers' leading rusher with 39 yards on the day. You know, the Saints, Derek Carr, they went up early. He found Jimmy Grant for an eight-yard touchdown. Jimmy Grant tried to jump up into the stands, do the Lambeau leap. They weren't having it. They got a special teams touchdown for Rashid Shahid in the second. and went to half, leading 17 to nothing. You're thinking, man, Saints go in there and they're, and they're, they're putting it on them. Derek Carr ends up leaving the game in the third. He got slung down, kind of landed on his shoulder awkward. So in comes backup Jameis Winston. You know, Jameis has played a lot of football. He almost led them back to victory. You know, the, the Packers end up taking the lead. But after Jordan Love found Romo, Romeo Dobbs for that eight-yard touchdown to, to give the Packers the lead, Winston, and who I think is one of the best receivers in the league right now, Chris Olave, hooked up for a few catches. Down the field they go. and. Then all of a sudden, it was just, it was that bad news again. You know, you couldn't handle hearing, you know, what was going to happen next for the uh, for the New Orleans Saints. You know, the Saints get in for, and they got Blake Group. He picked a bad time to miss his first field goal. With 105 left in the game. He shakes. Not good. Derek Carr injury appeared to be worse than what it was. Here's Saints head coach Dennis Allen. He's talking a little bit about Derek Carr injury and his availability. So Derek's got a sprained AC joint. Um, you know, we'll evaluate him as he goes throughout the week this week. Um, I think we, we, we dodged a bullet there in terms of anything of, of real, um, you know, significance. Um, I think we're kind of saying week to week, you know, but again, he felt better today than he did, you know, yesterday. So uh, we're not, we're not making any decisions today. We're not ruling anything out. Uh, we'll see where he's at. As the week goes on. That was Dennis Allen, the Saints head coach today at his press conference. If Carr can't go, obviously Jameis Winston will take over as he'll, they'll go against his, his old team, the Buccaneers. In South Beach, you might have been outside the stadium when you heard this. 
That wasn't the Grand Prix of Miami. No, that was the Miami offense torching the Denver Broncos to the tune of 70 to 20. That's right. The most points by a team since 1966. That being held by the Washington Redskins at the time when they scored 72 on the Giants. We knew about two in Tyreek. We knew about Raheem Mostert. But rookie Devin A. Chain, who from A&M comes out of nowhere, exploded onto the scene. And I know people... I'm in SEC country. They're going to talk about they saw what he did at A&M. But he went for 203 yards on the ground, along with two rushing, two receiving touchdowns. Mostert added four touchdowns with 82 yards on the ground. The Dolphins chewed up 350 yards rushing. Tua, the league's leading passer, had another big day, 23 of 26 for 309 yards. Are you kidding me? Four touchdowns. The Broncos continue to be a terrible football team. The defense is beyond offensive. Vance Joseph may not have a, a, a job for long, and Peyton... You know, the experience of Sean, the experiment of Sean Payton is not going well so far for the Mile High City. The one and only bright spot for Denver so far was rookie receiver, uh, Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma, who found the end zone again, this time on a special teams play with a 99 yard kickoff return. You know, and after the game, Sean Payton seemed a little bit agitated when asked about how he felt about this game. I know that you said it's embarrassing, but this is kind of an historic game. I'm aware. Third time the team has scored 70 points over 70. What's the question? What's the question? I just finished telling you. Next question. Next question. And I'll tell you this. So from somebody who used to cover games and be involved in post-game press conferences, it's always fun to interview the guys who win. But when you interview guys who lose, they're always in a bad mood, especially when they lose to the extent like this. When you get historically beaten, you're gonna have, you're gonna be a little salty, and it was always hard to try to find a question to ask. One that was a good question, something that your readers, your listeners, whoever your viewership was, wanted to find out. You wanted to ask good questions. You wanted to do your job properly, but you didn't want to set them off. And that's why you know I think there always should be like a cool down period before they go in. I mean, I, I talk about Ryan Day with what he did Saturday night when you could hear his SID saying, "Hey." Take a deep breath. You can hear him pop off and say, watch this. He knew he was going to go after Lou Holtz. But it, it, it's always hard to try to come up with those questions. One, to be original. And two, not to upset the losing team. Like I said, it's always fun to interview the winning team. They're always in a good mood. Always in a good mood. One of the only close games of the day had two teams that had not won a game yet, and there was also playoff teams from a year ago. Chargers made their way to Minnesota. Justin Herbert had 405 yards, three touchdowns passing. He led the Chargers to a 28-24 win, keeping the Vikings winless on the season. Now, if you're a fantasy football player, you had Keenan Allen, you had a hell of a day. Allen holded 18 catches, 205 yards. He threw a touchdown for 49 yards to Mike Williams. You know, poor Kirk Cousins and the Vikings once again just didn't have it at the end of the game. And what I found interesting about this game was late in the fourth quarter, you know, I flipped it over watching. I've got the Sunday ticket, the four corners, watching everything going on. And the Chargers had the ball in the fourth quarter, fourth and one at their own 24. And I'm watching and I was like, he, he's not, they're not going to go for it. They're not going to go for it. Yep, they're going to go for it. I couldn't believe that they, they're lining up. And I was like, they're going to go for it. No, they're just going to draw them off sides. Nope, they run a play. Denied. Denied. Stuffed with a minute 47 left to go in the game. The Vikings took over to Chargers 24, and I was like, okay, another late game collapse for the Chargers. 
watching the Vikings make their way down the field towards the end zone, and it just and then it didn't end good for the Vikings. Former Sooner linebacker Kenneth Murray made a game-seizing interception on the ball. He bounced around a few times. Some confusion leading up to the play. The Vikings staff saying that they had issues with the headset, and the crowd noise led them to allowing almost 30 seconds run off the clock before they actually clocked the ball. And here, here's my thing. When, when you have a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, an obvious veteran, been in the league a long time, played a lot of football. You've got to take over. If there's an issue with the headset, you've got to have that situational awareness and know what you're doing. People talk about J.R. Smith, you know, Cleveland you know, with the LeBron thing. You got to know what you're doing. Kirk Cousins, I think if he calls a timeout or clocks it himself to the enemy timeouts, that's fine. You get three plays now instead of one, but now they rush it. And it wasn't a bad throw, but it bounced off tight end TJ Hawkinson ended up being picked off. Now the Vikings 0-3, and, and you've got a tough road ahead of you if you're a Viking. Only four teams since 1990 have started 0-3 and, and have made the playoffs, the last being the 2018 Houston Texans. The New York Jets welcomed in division rival New England into East Rutherford, and the Patriots consider their winning streak over the Jets to 15 in a row with a 15-10 victory over the home standing Jets. Neither offense had much to write home about as both teams struggled. The only real strong effort was from Ezekiel Elliott and Ramondre Stevenson. The Patriots, they did a good job on the ground. Zeke had 80 yards. Stevenson added 60. Spared the Patriots 157 yards on the ground compared to the Jets, 38. All right, 38. That's all they had. Zach Wilson is is not, It's he's not doing good. The Jets obviously wanted to replace you and maybe get, you know, some tutelage from Aaron Rodgers. But he gets hurt in the first game. Then it comes out that legendary quarterback, Broadway Joe. Joe Namath made some comments about Zach Wilson. And so I found him. This is what the Hall of Fame quarterback had to say about Zach Wilson. What would you, if you, if somebody handed you Zach Wilson and said, okay, Joe, make him better, what would you do? Send him to Kansas City to back up against somebody like Mahomes. Maybe he'd learn something. I wouldn't keep him. You know, I've seen enough of Zach Wilson, all right? I've seen enough. Has quick feet, can throw a little bit, but I don't believe what's going on up there. That was Broadway Joe on the Michael K. show on the Yes Network when he was asked about Zach Wilson. And, you know, and I don't even know if learning under Mahomes would help him. You know, what, what Mahomes brings to the table, I don't think Wilson inherently has in him. I don't think it can be taught. You know, somewhere maybe like the Saints under Derek Carr, maybe even Vegas under Jimmy G. But, man, it's not going to get much better for Zach and the Jets because up next for them, those Chiefs come in. Mahomes and the Chiefs are in East Rutherford for Sunday night football, so the whole country is going to be watching while the Pats head to the Big D to take on Dallas. Speaking of the Chiefs, they welcomed in the hapless Bears to Arrowhead Stadium, and I knew the game was going to be trash. It was the Chiefs playing the Bears, and it was. Chiefs destroyed the Bears 41-10. But the big news of the day wasn't so much about the game. Visit Travis Kelsey had a visitor up in the suites. That's right. We got to talk about it. Well, it's better than the game. But America's Princess was at the game. Basically confirming rumors that we had heard on podcasts. You know, Travis's brother making comments. But Taylor Swift was at the game sitting with Travis Kelsey's mom up in the suite. I. I'm saying there are a couple. And the results of what we saw on Sunday in Kansas City are mind-boggling. It shows the power of Taylor Swift. And, and 
you know, no, I don't think she put them on the map. You know, it's a funny trend on TikTok to watch women get their men upset by saying this. And if you guys need to get upset, you're just, you're, you're being baited. But you can't deny what she did. 24 million eyes on the game that has a two touchdown point spread. One of the teams, an absolute dumpster fire. There's 24 million people watching. Why? Because they wanted to see how many times they were going to go up to Taylor Swift and show her in the pre, in the suite. They were going to see if Travis Kelsey was going to score, see what the reaction was going to be. And then it happened. Mahomes looking right, back of the end zone, caught, touchdown! Kansas City for the 48th time finds Travis Kelsey nine yards deep in the end zone, and the Chiefs lead 40 to nothing. Three touchdown passes for Patrick Mahomes. And I know you've seen the clip. When he scores, Taylor Swift jumping up, chest bumping, yelling, let's F and go. The clip of him looking up to see her, saying, yep, there she is while he's taking a deep breath. Look, I'm going to tell you this. Those two have been talking a lot longer than we know. And to see them pull away in his convertible with no security around, this is a woman that drives around in bulletproof Tahoes. For her and her team to feel that comfortable, this is more than just publicity. And I love it. But I'm going to tell you, Kelsey, you better watch out, buddy. Swifty Nation is strong. But the would-be power couple seem to have fate on their side. And maybe, maybe I'm a bit of a romantic. But maybe I'm hoping it works out. And they have the best love story ever. Well, other than me and my wife. But there's definitely sparks flying between those two. Up next for the Bears, matchup against the Broncos. For the Chiefs, they're at the Jets Sunday night. The Houston Texans went to Jacksonville and delivered a beating that I don't think anyone saw coming. C.J. Stroud stood tall in the pocket, threw for 280 yards and two touchdowns as the Texans got their first win of the season, 37-17 against Jacksonville. Tank Dell. The really good rookie from Houston, five catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown to lead the Texans, their offensive attack. And again, clean football by the rookie Stroud. Head coach D'Amico Ryan getting his first victory as the head coach. Had to be proud of his defense, limiting Trevor Lawrence and the Jags only 17 points on the day. But for me, the play of the day had to be a kickoff return from Texans' Andrew Beck. Now, I know you're saying, you know, there's, there's other kickoff returns. Why does that one, why is that your play of the day? Well, the Tampa Bay native became the heaviest player to return a kickoff back for a touchdown. The 255-pounder, 85-yard kick return. You got to love a big guy touchdown. Even though he's a Longhorn, still got to love a big guy touchdown. The Texans will host Pittsburgh next, and the Jags head to Marriott, London for two games. They're going to take on Atlanta at historic Wembley Stadium. I love it. I can't wait to go to Wembley Stadium. Another big surprise of the day in the day of terrible football saw the Gardner Minshew-led Colts upset the Baltimore Ravens 22-19 in front of what have had to be a stunned Ravens crowd. The biggest surprise in this, other than the Colts being competitive with the Ravens, had to be Justin Tucker missing a game-winning field goal. He was like, oh, it was 61 yards, but that's in his wheelhouse. But it was Colts kicker Matt Gay and his four field goals for over 50 yards and that game-winning field goal in overtime to seal the deal for the Colts. In a game that was pretty even statistically, the Colts got the breaks they needed Left the Baltimore with a win. Gave the Ravens the first loss on the season. Yeah, Lamar Jackson threw for 202 yards. Ran for 101 and two touchdowns. Gardner Minshew gets the win. 
wait to see if Anthony Richardson will be back next week as the coach hosts the Rams and the Ravens go to the Cleveland Browns. Andy Dalton got to start for the Panthers. They traveled to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Kenneth Walker Jr. sparked the second half for the Seahawks with his 97 yards on the ground and two second-half touchdowns. Geno Smith threw for 296 with a touchdown and one interception, while Dalton threw the ball 58 times, completing 34 of them. Now he threw for 361 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. Adam Thiegel was his go-to target, 11 catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown, while DK Metcalf was the go-to guy for the Seahawks, which he always is, six grabs, 112 yards. Now the 0-3 Panthers, they're going to host Minnesota next week, so there you have another matchup, 0-3 Minnesota, 0-3 Carolina. Somebody is going to get their first win. Cowboys made their way to the desert to take on the Cardinals, You know, a team that I've been saying for the first part of the season had not been looking like they were a team tanking for Caleb Williams. They've had the lead in every game they've played, but the first two, they just couldn't, you know, close the deal. Well, in comes the Cowboys with their amazing defense, C.D. Lamb, Dak Prescott, an offense that had been humming along. Well, Josh Dobbs and James Conner didn't get the memo that they were supposed to roll over for Dallas. All right. The Cardinals never trailed. They led 21-10 at half, and James James Conner ran for 98 yards and a touchdown as both teams moved the ball on the ground well. Tony Pollard for Dallas chewed up 122 yards on the ground. The Cowboys looked out of sorts all day. 113 penalties for 107 yards, plus the day only, you know, the day's only turnover. And it spelled doom for Dallas. That and a lack of red zone success. The Cowboys were one for five in the red zone. And it's just kind of inexplicable with how well Dallas had looked for them to come into Arizona and play that way. But this is the Cardinals team that is going to fight. They're not tanking. They're not tanking. All right, let me just tell you that. Next for Dallas, they host the Patriots. The Cardinals will travel to San Francisco. Sunday night saw the Steelers get the first win on the road against the Raiders since 1995. Kenny Pickett played better, but didn't, you know, didn't turn the ball over. He threw for 235 yards, two touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for 324, but had three picks to go along with his two touchdowns. And it looked like a home game for Pittsburgh out in Las Vegas. There was terrible towels everywhere. Pittsburgh controlled the game. They were up 20-37 going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, three interceptions gave Garoppolo six. That leaves the NFL. He's just one ahead of Sam Howell. Najee Harris got going, had 68 yards rushing. The Steelers next will visit the Texans, and the Raiders will visit the division rival, the Chargers. Another double dose of Monday Night Football had the Eagles and the Bucks squaring off at 2-0 in Tampa. Jalen Hurts threw for a touchdown, ran for one. He also had an interception on the night. But the stars becoming DeAndre Swift for this Eagles team. He ran for 130 yards with 16 carries. The Bucks have played clean football their first two games. They had two costly turnovers last night. And that's to a really good Philly team. Mike Evans caught a TD late in the game, but had one go right through his hands early in the first quarter. You know, Baker didn't play bad. He just didn't have a lot of time. There was a lot of pressure on him all night. The Eagles defense is just relentless. And they only get better as the season goes on. You know, and, and having somebody like DeAndre Swift, I think is going to help Jalen not feel like he has to take off so much. Protect his body. Still be a threat. You know, next for Philly is the Commanders, and the Bucks are at New Orleans. And the final game... Of the of week three was a Super Bowl fifty six rematch with the Rams visiting the Bengals. The Bengals got the win nineteen sixteen to avoid going zero and three. Joe Burrow played played decent, still looked a little hampered by his calf, but he threw for two hundred fifty nine yards. His favorite target, Jamar Chase, had twelve catches, one hundred forty one yards. Joe Mixon scored the only touchdown for the Bengals on a fourteen yard run in the third quarter, but it, it wasn't clear until right before the game started if Burrow would even play. But he gave it a go and say that he takes pride in his availability, and I respect that. On the other side, Matthew Stafford threw for 269 yards, but another costly two interceptions. The Bengals defense get a good job not allowing Puka Nakua to go off, limiting him to only five receptions. They harassed Stafford all night to the tune of six sacks. 
and really kept the Rams off balance. Next for the Rams, they're going to travel to Indy, and the Bengals will play at Tennessee. And, you know, looking at what I did for my picks, my give them a sixer pick six, it wasn't a good weekend, in, in, you know, for me in the college game. I was three for three, and it wasn't even good for me in the NFL. Lost Washington Buffalo. I took Washington plus six. That was a loss. I took the over 54 in the Chargers and the Vikings. Lost that. It was 52 points. Took the Rams plus two and a half over the Bengals. Lost that. Kansas City minus 12 and a half over the Bears. Won that one. Won that one. Pittsburgh plus two and a half over Vegas. Won that one. Over a 46 for Detroit and Atlanta lost that one. So I was two and four total on the day or total on the weekend. Five and seven. Not good. Not good. But you know, what I really like is this new website I found. I was talking about it it's called Stadium Reviews, right? We're going around talking about college stadiums, talking about NFL stadiums. And today I'm going to head out. State Farm Stadium. Give you a little flavor in your ear. That's right. We're going to look at State Farm Stadium. See what they have to offer to eat. You know, you got your basics. Like any food you're going to get at a, at a football game. Classic stadium foods. Popcorn, hot dog, chicken wings, chicken tenders, peanuts, pretzels, water, soda, beer. Concessions all throughout the concourse there. You got fourth and long. It's a 22-inch hot dog with all your favorite condiments. I wonder if that's put on by Alice Cooper. You know, he had a restaurant out there with Randy Johnson. Now, some of their new foods to enjoy at a Cardinals game. Senior Chilada, tacos, burritos, nachos, and more with a senior, senior Chilada cup. I love it. Gridiron Grill. If you're a fan looking for the ultimate treat, that includes burgers, hot dogs, bratwurst, everything you need. Look for the Gridiron Burger Challenge. Whew, I like the good challenge. Taco Dia. Signature quesadilla with meat, sour cream, guac, and more. The dry fry bird. Chicken legs, fries, cheese, jalapenos. Touchdown tosses. Salad in a jar. Why? Who the hell's going to go to a football game and ask for a salad? Protein boxes, I get that. Meat, cheese, peanut butter, more in a convenient box. I like it. They got some classic desserts, a churro, donut sundae, a waffle cone, with generous amounts of vanilla ice cream, hot fudge, the Doc's Artisan Gelato Sorbet, a wide range of ice cream flavors. But, but salad? Salad. Who, who's going to a football game and asking for a salad in a jar with a wide range of flavors? Look, I love Caesar salad. I like Caesar wraps, but I'm not going to a football game and asking for a Caesar salad. I'm not asking for a salad, period. But it's there. If you want to go to an Arizona football game, you can go to Touchdown Tossers and get, and get a salad. Now, the last time I was at that stadium, uh, that was back when Oklahoma played Connecticut in the Fiesta Bowl. And the biggest thing was going to In-N-Out Burger. That was the first time being able to do it. Before they opened up in Texas, they're getting it the double-double monster style, all that stuff. And it was good. It is what it is. It, it's In-N-Out Burger. But that's going to do it for this episode. I appreciate you tuning in to Sports Bites, where we dished out a perfect blend of sports and food. I hope to savor the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. 
If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouthwatering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive, and may your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember to always positively move forward.